0: welcome to this episode of the tennis Unleashed podcast i'm jason frosto and today we're going to talk about the end of the big three on this episode and what's to come so i think it's pretty safe to say that we've been spoiled as tennis fans for a really long time getting to watch the tennis of roger federer rafael nadal and novak djokovic and you can add andy murray to that mix because he was also a number one ranked player during that period of time but now that some of those players have gotten older right we've got roger federer at 40 with multiple knee surgeries he's currently out with a knee surgery situation he did make a comeback for the french opened and for wimbledon and had some pretty good results there i think he made the third round of the french and then defaulted his match in the fourth round to matteo Berrettini. and then at wimbledon he made the fourth round and then lost there to herkacz and that match got a little out of hand there in the fourth set but Herkacz, huge server, very good player, and played really well in that match. And then if you look at Nadal's results right now, Rafa is 35 years old, citing a recent foot injury and issue that was talked about at the hard court event that was supposed to take place for Rafa in Toronto. But he pulled out in his second round match where he would have faced Lloyd Harris up there, and he lost to Harris in Washington, D.C. in a pretty tight three-set match. He also had a very tight match with Jack Sock in Washington, D.C., which was not expected because Rafa was playing Washington, D.C. for the first time ever, sort of expected that he might roll through this 500 ATP event and roll through it pretty comfortably and win the title comfortably and then have a really long and successful hard court season, but he loses to Harris in Washington, DC, and then pulls out of Toronto with that foot injury. And that leaves us with our last competitor, right? Which is Novak Djokovic and Djokovic is currently three for three on grand slams in 2021. He did lose at the Olympics unexpectedly to Alexander Zverev, but he's had a dominant season in 2021. So for the last 15 plus years or so, we've really been spoiled by getting to see these guys dominate the tour and bring a new level to the game, especially from the baseline. Federer brought a new level of excellence to baseline play. He was so smooth in his game, so fluid. Everybody loved him for that fluidity of his game and just how good he was with touch control, but then also his movement and his ability to also hit the ball really hard. So he just had this incredibly well-rounded game and brought a new level of success to the baseline. I remember watching him play in 2003 and run through the best baseliner in the history of the game, Andre Agassi, at the time, and really just dismantle Agassi from the back of the court, which was a total shock and a total surprise. And suddenly you're ready for the dominance of Roger Federer, and that was sort of soon to come after that, right? And then not long after that, we get the emergence of Rafael Nadal, not just on clay courts, but later on as well, on grass, on hard courts, showing what he could do as a player that could really kind of grind from the back of the court, but then also finish you with that lethal forehand. So he had his signature shots as well. And then Djokovic and Murray sort of start to forge their own path later on, you know, more in 2007, 8, 9, and 10. And they start to show that they can compete with these guys and win grand slams as well. Murray sort of having issues with injuries and being more of a defensive player did not rack up the number of slams that Djokovic did. And now we're at a point here in 2021 where we've got Djokovic at 20 slams, Federer at 20 slams, and Nadal at 20 slams. And as I'm recording this podcast, we've got Djokovic on the verge of trying to win his 21st Grand Slam at the U.S. Open. He's got a fourth-round match here coming up for that. So we're talking about three of the greatest players to ever pick up a tennis racket just so happening to play tennis at the exact same time as each other unbelievably rare we'll probably never see something like this in the history of the game again but how appreciative should we be that we've gotten to witness this from all of these guys with different play styles so that kind of brings us to the current moment right we've got Djokovic going for his 21st Grand Slam title not sure if he's going to win it or not he does look very good right now he just dropped a first set to Nishikori the other day and then rolled through over the next three sets. But my argument at this point is the game is getting deeper and deeper and racking up these types of slam numbers is going to be extremely difficult for anybody to do in the future, because in my opinion, like the WTA tour, the ATP tour is going to be a tour where there's so much depth and parity that it's going to be tough to predict Grand Slam winners in the next five years or so as parody really becomes the norm in men's tennis. So I guess the question becomes, is this really the end of the big three at this point? And my answer to that is, sadly, I think so, yes. I think we're pretty much at the end of the era, right? Age-wise, we know that Federer at 40 years old with, you know, at this point, I believe it's three knee surgeries, is in a situation where he's probably not gonna be able to come back to the tour and compete for Grand Slams again. And the reason is simple for this. It's just simple biology. If you look at testosterone production in males, right, the general male population, what we see for testosterone production is that after the age of 30, testosterone production decreases by about 1% per year for a man until the end of their lifespan, right? So Federer has had a roughly 10% drop in testosterone production in the last 10 years because at this point he's 40 years old. For Rafa, you know, we're looking at about a 5% drop. And for Novak, about a 4% drop. And if we look further past just testosterone production levels, we go into actual oxygen levels, right? We know that maximum oxygen development is achieved by the age of about 20 to 25 years old for a male. And after the age of 35, oxygen capacity and lung capacity will decrease until the end of somebody's lifespan. So we're just going basic physiology and biology. When we're looking at these players and we know that there's a reason tennis players haven't dominated into their 40s or been able to get away with being a top tier athlete into their 40s. This is not football. You're not playing the quarterback position like somebody like Tom Brady. That's a different sport, which may not require right as much of an endurance component or certain things as far as movement. Tennis all in all, a technique game, but also very much a movement game, right? So when these players start to age, testosterone levels drop and lung capacity gradually decreases. Playing a movement sport becomes extremely, extremely challenging and difficult. So that's why it's basically an accepted fact that in tennis, right, it's a movement oriented game. You need your legs and you need your lungs to compete at the highest levels. And that's why we don't have guys dominating in tennis that are 42, 45 years old It's just not feasible physically. So Federer really was defying the odds when he was collecting slams a few years ago in his mid to late 30s and kind of breaking the norm of what's expected. Djokovic is also kind of doing that, and Rafa did it as well by winning the French last fall. But Nadal is somebody that really heavily relies on his lungs and his legs. So when you're having those decreasing levels of testosterone and less lung capacity over time, it's going to be tough to play that style of game. So what is Rafa doing right now when he's got this foot situation kind of on the horizon that's been talked about by a medical doctor? Well, my guess is if Nadal returns back to the tour, he's going to do what he did post his last knee injury. And what he did then was he took the time to retool his game to add more firepower to his game, right? Hitting bigger forehands, hitting bigger backhands standing closer to the baseline, then playing so far back all the time and just playing defense. I believe Nadal at his age and getting ready to age up for next year to 36 is done playing a completely grinders game because to me, he does look a step or two slower than he looked in the past. And that's normal. That's what happens as we age, right? We lose some footwork and some speed, but for a guy who relies on that to win tennis matches, That is critical that he has that component. If he can't have that component, he's got to do something else to work around not having that as part of his game. So he's got to do what Federer did when he was in his mid-30s and retool his game, take the ball even earlier, hit the ball even bigger if he wants a chance to collect more grand slams on faster surfaces. I believe on clay, being a step or two slow compared to what you were in your prime isn't as big of a deal. Because the surface is typically slower and higher bouncing. And I think Nadal can get away with on Clay having movement that's not as good as it was when he was in his absolute prime. But what about Federer, right? Federer is 40 years old, so he's got a considerable number of years on Rafa or Novak. What are Federer's options at this point? I personally believe it's in Rogers' best interest, unless he really wants to continue playing the game, to probably retire at this point because. He's done more than anybody almost in the entire world in the game of tennis, right? As far as his accomplishments, how he plays the game. He plays the game so beautifully. I'm a huge fan, a huge mark for Roger Federer, but I can also see the writing on the wall. And I could see it on the wall when he came back and played his first event back in, I believe it was Doha and played Basilash and he just looks slow moving in and out of the corners of the court. So when Bosh Vili was moving Roger around, I could really see that when he was moving around, that Federer did not have that explosion out of the corners of the court to help him recover and get ready for the next shot. And it looked like it was a critical component missing from his game. Now, you could chalk that up, obviously, to knee surgeries, right? But again, if we just go back to the biology and physiology component of this, we know that testosterone levels are down. We know that oxygen capacity levels are decreasing, so it's really difficult to have those natural factors of aging working against you, but then also to be facing the issue of having those knee surgeries on top of that, right? It's just sort of too much to overcome, even for somebody that's as amazing as Roger Federer is, being one of the best players of all time, it's still a gigantic hurdle to overcome. So in my opinion, Federer probably should not attempt a comeback at this point. I think just age-wise, things have run its course, and he's not in a position where he can come back and just beat the rest of the guys on tour and hope that he can still compete against a Novak or a Rafa. He's susceptible to losing to a lot of the younger guys on tour that are in their primes right now or approaching their primes in terms of their physical condition, their career, their ball striking guys like a Shapovalov, Ali Asim. There are so many guys out there right now that Roger is susceptible to losing to at any time. So even him getting out of the third and fourth round of a grand slam and getting to the quarters of semis, it is going to be extremely difficult because the depth on the tour is better, in my opinion, than it's ever been right now. Everybody's tough. Guys, if you look at the US Open in particular right now, we've got people that have made the third and fourth round ranked in the 100 to 200 range in the world, which is pretty much unheard of for multiple players to be doing that at the same time. We've really never seen that before. And I think for somebody like Federer, Nadal, or Djokovic, as dominant as these guys have been, especially for Federer for almost two decades, really, 15 years easily of just pure dominance in terms of his ranking, right, being a top player it's extremely difficult to go from being a dominant alpha dog type tennis player to suddenly being in a position where you're no longer dominating. I don't think people realize for an athlete like that, how tough it is to go from the top of the game, come back, have the expectation that you're still going to be there, but realize that physically, you know, especially again with the knee surgery situation, but then also the depth of the tour and what's been happening in your time away, that you're not going to be able to come back and dominate. And not only that, but you're going to have tough matches with guys that are ranked in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s in the world. And that's really tough to take mentally when you're used to dominating people ranked in that range. But now those matches are suddenly challenging for you, and they weren't challenging before. So now, if you're playing a Grand Slam event, you've got to work harder in the first round, second round, and third round than you did before. And we saw that with Roger At the French Open when he played Kepfer from Germany, I believe Kepfer was ranked somewhere around the 80 range could be wrong about the number, but that was a pretty tough and challenging match for Roger where there were times where he thought he may lose this match to a guy that he would have blown out 10 years ago when the gap in talent, tactics, physicality, nutrition, when the gaps were bigger. And the knowledge base wasn't so wide. It's much wider now. Everybody has access to the technical components of the game, how to hit forehands, backhands, and serves. And they've learned by watching slow motion footage of guys like Roger on how to hit better forehands and backhands, right? Guys that innovated are now being copied. And then these lower ranked players are tougher to beat because they're using similar technique, similar tactics and nutrition and mental approaches that maybe were more exclusive to the best players in the world before, but now are basically common knowledge. So you're having to work harder in your early rounds, and on top of having to work harder in the early rounds, you now are getting challenged by these lower-ranked players, and it's mentally frustrating, I believe, for guys that have been so dominant to be challenged by these players along the way. And that really brings us to the last man standing of this bunch, which is also the youngest guy, right? Which is Djokovic. And I believe Djokovic is going to use the two year window that he has here to really try to collect as many grand slams as possible. But I do believe that with the evolution of the game and where the game is going, it's getting faster and bigger at this point. That he's got this two to three year window max where he needs to collect as many slams as he can. Because again, everybody ranked behind you is trying to catch you. They want what you have. You have this target on your back and you're doing all these things. I think Novak is in particular that separate him from the field, right? Whether it's his diet being plant-based and it seems to work really well for him or meditation that he does or yoga that he does, different things that he does in combination that other guys just don't seem to do, well, eventually guys are going to copy you there as well, right? They're not just going to copy you tactically and technically. They're going to copy you lifestyle-wise because they want your level of success. And few of them may sacrifice at the level that you've sacrificed, but you may have a couple of people that are willing to do those things and have the same success that you have. For those reasons, I really believe that Djokovic's window is for the next two to three years to collect as many slams as he can right? Using the gifts that he has and the things he's worked so hard for, but understanding that the field is going to continue to try to catch you and copy you to try to achieve that same level of success. So as far as the big three being over at this point, it's pretty darn close. I personally believe Rafa has another chance at the French next year. If he does come back to win another French open and potentially even another one the next year, as long as his movement doesn't really fall off on that surface overall I believe Novak's going to collect a couple more slams here over the next two to three years, possibly as well. And I do think that Federer is done. So as far as the official big three, I think we're pretty much at the end just because father time is unfortunately something that's going to catch up with every athlete over the course of their career, right? That's just something you cannot escape. You're going to run into it at some point. These guys have done a phenomenal job of getting slams into their 30s especially for Nadal, who people thought was done at the age of 30 and continue to collect more Grand Slams after the age of 30 by really retooling his technical and tactical game. That's unbelievably impressive. I think we should just be really, really grateful that we got to witness these three guys play at the same time and collect 60 Grand Slams together at the time of this recording, right? And it may not be over as far as that number. So really interested to see kind of how they each end their careers here in the next few years because I do think that's coming and I'm also really curious to see if Federer does decide to come back and play some more events knowing the situation that he's facing with the multiple knee surgeries and obviously just aging as well but unfortunately the greatest era of tennis is going to have to come to an end at some point and I think we're getting there in the next couple of years. That's it for this edition of the Tennis Unleashed podcast. I'm your host Jason Frosto. If you want some of the best free online tennis instruction in the world make sure you visit us at tennisunleash.net. Also, go to our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of stuff there match play-wise that we cover that nobody else in the world is doing. We also cover a ton of stuff that can help you with your technique. We take a look at a lot of pro technique and break it down. So if you want some of the best free instruction in the world, check us out at tennisunleash.net and on YouTube. I'll see you next time.